0: Invite you just to uh, pray with me before we begin <clears throat> this morning. Father, we thank you. It's an amazing time of year as we ponder uh, what you did. And so, as we begin our Christmas season and as we think about this theme of the share of. Uh, light in the darkness. Father, might we comprehend anew and afresh just the wonder that the light of the world has come. Father, thank you for the joy that that brings to our lives. So open our eyes uh, this season so we can see it and we can celebrate it and we can live in it uh, every day. Bless our time. Just minister to all of us as we look at your word now in Jesus' name. Amen. Those walking in darkness have seen a great light. I've had a lot of little jobs over the course of my lifetime, as you probably have. I was just thinking back through the different things I've done and I I learned something from everything I did. Every job I had, I I learned something different. My first job was trapping gophers for the neighbor. I was about second, third grade and I would get 25 cents at the local hardware store for every pair of front feet that I could turn in of those pocket gophers. The lesson I learned in trapping gophers was uh, it's not a good idea to trap in the roots of poison ivy. That was the big lesson <laughs> I, I learned the hard way. Then I had a paper route. Some of you maybe had a paper route, small town, 130 people in town. I had 25, about 25 papers. I covered five miles to deliver those 25 papers. And uh, I, in, in that job, I learned a lot about dogs in, uh, in my paper route job. Then I I graduated to uh, helping a farmer around hay time, you know, picking up the bales, putting them uh, up in the barn on usually the hottest day of the summer. And, And there I learned, I learned it's better to be outside putting hay bales on the elevator than being up in the barn receiving bales. If you've been there, you know what I mean. Then I had a job, uh, junior in high school, working one summer for two bricklayers. They laid about 900 12-inch brick in a day. My job was to get all the brick up on the scaffolding, keep them supplied with mud, and I, I learned at that job never again to work for two bricklayers. <laughs> that was <clears throat> by far the most brutal job I have ever done. I, I put together Betty Crocker cookbooks, the, just the, the binders that they go in, and I, I, uh, I got three cents a piece, it took me about six seconds to do each one, and from that job I learned that I did not want to do that the rest of my life. Um, one summer of that was enough. The job, though, I, I learned something interesting on was the golf course. And on, You'd say, well, I would think the golf course would be a pretty pleasant place, and it was. <clears throat> But there was one job on the golf course that came around every so often when it was my turn and it was the worst job i ever had of all my jobs it was the worst one and it was night watering on the golf course so my job was to come at 6 p.m and stay till 6 a.m what i would do is i would go out and i would there was 18 holes on the course and i would put in a This is when you didn't have automated sprinklers and you'd put one in on each of the 18 holes and then you'd let it run for an hour, you'd come back and you'd move it to the next one. And you did that all night long. And the only light on that course was the little Cushman light. that was on the little motorized vehicle that I drove. I can't tell you what it was, why I hated that job so much. I just remember waiting for the first, about 5 a.m. when I would start to see the dawn. I think it was the darkness. And I learned in that job that there's, there's something powerfully dark about darkness. And so I want you to, I want you to think about that with me as we're going to take a little, we're, we're not going to take a hike, we're not going to take a bike ride, we're not even going to take a bus, we're going to take an airplane, across this theme of darkness and light. And we're just going to kind of peruse, take a, a quick trip over the scriptures. And as we do that, you're going to see how pervasive this theme really is. So let's just, let's just get on the plane and let's, let's just start in Genesis. And we see that in Genesis 1, 1-5, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness, there it is, darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And what's the first thing God says? Let there be light. God looks at the darkness and he says, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw interesting that the light was good and so God separated the light from the darkness and God called the light day and the darkness night and there was evening and morning and the first day so here we see that God looks down on the earth and he sees darkness and so God brings light and it's interesting he doesn't bring the sun and he doesn't bring the moon and he doesn't bring the stars that's not till the fourth day there's some other kind of light, a kind of light unknown to us, and this is going to crop up again, we'll see, as, as we take this flyover. God would create the sun and the moon and the stars to, to mark the, the, the days and the nights, and we see here, perhaps what God is doing is starting the, the measurement of time. We know God is eternal, he's outside of time, and our, our little brains can't understand how there couldn't be time, but God here establishes time, and he, he in the very beginning, when he sees darkness, he, he looks at it, and he sends light, and he says the light is good. Notice there's nowhere here that he says the darkness was good. As we go into the book of Exodus, we see that God appears to Moses. Remember the story? In the bush. And there's a light and it's burning. The only crazy thing is that nothing's burning up. Nothing's being consumed. So what's the source of the light? It's not the bush. It's the light of God. It's, it's, and, and we see that God comes in the form of, of light here in the book of Exodus. We see that one of the plagues, the ninth plague, remember that? The one right before, the, the worst one of all, where the firstborn died, it was darkness. Complete, utter darkness for three days. It's a plague. Darkness was the plague. We see in the, as we move on through Exodus, we see in chapter 26, God is, they're setting up the tabernacle. And what does God? have them make. He has them make this menorah with seven lamps on it. And he says, I want you to put this in a room, and, and, and right, I want you to put it right across from the showbread table. <clears throat> the showbread table will have 12 loaves, and those loaves will be representing my people. And that menorah is to shine. The light is to shine upon that table. The light is to shine upon my people day and night. And those priests were instructed never, never to let the oil run out, lest that light be extinguished. Then once the tabernacle was built, we saw that this pillar of light, this pillar of, of looked like fire, or light, descends upon the tabernacle, and it burns every night. And so when the people were in the camp and they were in their tents, remember, there's no power plant here, there's no electricity, and so that light was always shining. It's it's almost kind of like God's night light. Remember when you were a little kid and you just needed a light on to know that it wasn't all dark? I wonder if that isn't a little bit of here, what God was saying to those Israelites is, you know what? There's, the light is always on. I am always here, even in the darkness. They could go outside their tent at any point in the night and see the light of God being represented in that pillar of fire. We go to the Psalms, and the Psalms are full of references to Light. You know some of them. The word is a lamp under my feet, a light under my path. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? I love this from Psalm 139. Surely, if I say, surely the darkness will cover me, the light and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as day for darkness is as light to you. You know what he's saying there? There is no darkness in God. God is light and because God is light there is no darkness in Him. We'll see that again here as as we go on. Then we move from the Psalms into the prophets and the prophets there's so many passages about light, and there's so many passages reminding us that there is a day when this light is coming into the world. This light is going to be coming into the darkness. Micah 7 8 When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Isaiah is full of references. Bob read one this morning from Isaiah 9. Isaiah 42, I am the Lord, I've called you in righteousness, I will take you by the hand and keep you, I will give you as a covenant for the people a light to the nation, to open eyes that are blind, to bring out prisoners from the dungeon, from those who sit in darkness. Isaiah 60, Arise, shine, for the light has come, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth. And thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise on you. And his glory will be seen. And nations shall come to your light. Kings to the brightness of your rising. And then right near the end. In Zechariah chapter 14. There's this very interesting passage. It's really prophetic. And and we'll see that here as we go on. But. Isaiah or Zechariah 14, 6 and 7, it says, On that day there shall be no light, cold or frost. There shall be a unique day which is known to the Lord neither day nor night, but at evening time there shall be light. And the Lord will be king over all the earth. And on that day the Lord will be one in his name one. There's coming a day when there won't be any more light, but in evening there will be light. So what is he saying? We'll come back to that. <clears throat> we move into the gospel writers. And we see that they speak continuously about the light. As we've been going through John, I mean, these familiar words, listen to them. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. So he's going back now, he's bringing our thoughts back to the beginning. Remember what was in the beginning? Darkness. God looks at the darkness. So what do we see in John In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light, the true light, which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. So here it is. All these Old Testament, as as we read from Isaiah 9, people walking in darkness will see a great light. John says the light is here. God has looked on the darkness, and, and he has, in the same way he did in creation, he has now sent the light. We see this light being talked about in... John 8, verse 12, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and we hear these classic words, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We see the transfiguration recorded in all four Gospels. And what's interesting to me is, and the transfiguration Jesus is described, when he's transfigured, as in terms of light. And if you read through it, so, in, in Luke, it says that, that his clothes became, he describes it as, Luke says, dazzling white. Dazzling white. Matthew says that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. And I love the way both John and, and Mark record this. They said he, be, he, he became his clothes, and, and just looking at him, it became intensely white as no, one, as no one could bleach them. That's what it says. He said, you couldn't bleach it as white as this light. And so they're trying to describe... What this light is—it's—it's like a light that's like no other that they've seen. And so we see the light of God that come into the world. The apostles speak of it. Paul talks about this one who dwells in in Timothy, in in unapproachable light. James calls God the Father of lights, and Paul and reminds the Philippians that we are to shine when when Christ is in us that we shine as lights in this universe. And then finally, we get to the very end in Revelation. Revelation 21. And listen to these words we've we've heard we've heard the prediction of this before. And I saw no temple in the city. No more temple, for its temple is the Lord God, the Almighty, and the Lamb. And the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and its lamp is the Lamb. Its lamp is the Lamb, and the city has... And and by its light, the nations will walk, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. And the gates will never be shut by day, and there will be no night there. No darkness in that day. Well, that's quite a trip. And we've just touched the surface. There are over 250 references to light throughout the Scripture. So what do we learn from this? Well, there are so many things that we can learn from it. Let me just share just some things that that came to me as I I went through this and just walked through this and and then just stepping back. What are are some things that we see here? Here's here's a few things. Number one, it just became very obvious to me that darkness and light are opposites. Darkness and light are are just opposites opposite throughout. Every time they're referred to. They never go together. And darkness is you might be able to point something out to me. I I I couldn't think I can't remember any time when darkness was proclaimed as good. In fact, God even puts lights in the darkness, right? Even in the darkness, God puts light. Evil powers, evil acts, sin, death, those kinds of things are all associated with, with darkness. But everything else good is associated with, with light. And so we, we see throughout the scripture, it's almost like there are two there's a battle going on. there's two armies, right? There's the armies of darkness, and there's the armies of light. The armies of Satan represents darkness. The armies of light represent God. And we just see that people struggle in the dark. I was, uh, I was watching a, a show on the History Channel. It was 10 guys that got dumped into, uh, got dumped into Northern Vancouver on the island. And the, the idea is the guy that can, can stay there the longest wins a half a million dollars. 10 of them are dropped off and within six days, Six of them are done. And what was interesting to me is is that, with the exception of one guy who just had bad stomach issues from eating bad stuff, every one of those guys made the decision to go home in the night. I remember one guy standing out on the beach in the open, and he said, I am not spending one more night in the darkness of that woods. And, you know, these are some tough guys. One of the guys was a special forces guy who had been all over the world in all kinds of situations, but he couldn't handle the darkness. And when you're in those settings, you often don't sleep at night. And so you're awake all night, and and your mind does strange things in the night. You know what I'm talking about? And so we, we see here that people struggle, the world struggles with darkness. I mean, darkness itself is nothing. It's nothing. It's not like light. It's not like there's this substance of light and then this substance of darkness. darkness is just emptiness. That's all it is. It's just, it's what's left when the light leaves. Right? When the light's gone, all that's left is darkness. Now the light is substantive. We measure light. We talk about the speed of light, that light moves at what? 186,000 miles per second. What's the speed of darkness? There is no speed of darkness. Darkness is nothing. It's just empty. And so in Genesis, God looks down at the darkness. And what is it? It's void and formless and empty. Darkness is lifeless. I was trying to think of what the dark is good for. There's only one thing that came to my mind. Storing potatoes. And why do you store potatoes in the dark? Because nothing grows there, right? Right? Because they won't sprout there. Because darkness is the opposite of life and growth. We don't have a garden at our house. There's not enough light. We try it and little spindly things come up and uh, there's just not enough light. It takes light for things to grow. It takes light for things to have life. On the other hand, light represents, as we see here in John, light represents life. God looks at light and he said, it, it's, it's good. You know, light is what causes photosynthesis in plants and it's what makes things grow. It's, it's that light shining upon what God has created. It's, light is so important to us, we all... On some level, we probably all struggle a little bit in the winter because the days get shorter. Some of us struggle with effective, uh, the effective seasonal disorder of just not getting enough light. I know in uh, Alaska, where the days get really short and eventually they only get a couple hours of light, that depression and, and emotional issues just escalate during that time of year. And there's a reason for that. We were we were made for light. They tell us you need 30 minutes a day of 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 the sunlight on the back of your retina. In order for your, you know, that's connected with your hypothalamus in your brain, and that's connected with your circadian rhythm of your body. And so when we don't get that light, our our bodies get off, and we don't have the energy, and we can become depressed, and all of those kinds of things. Light is so important to our lives. And light is what reveals things, it's what shows us what's real. It shows us reality. So imagine if you're blindfolded and you're brought into a room and you're sitting there and it's completely dark. You don't know where you are, you don't know why you're there, you don't know, you you can't really conceive of, of what's around you, you don't know what the barriers are going to be. And so someone walks in and flips on the light switch. And all of a sudden you go, Aha! Oh my goodness, I'm in a coffee shop. There's people sitting across the room. Now I know where I am. Now I know how to get over. Now where I'm going. Now I know my purpose for being here. And so light reveals what's around us. It it reveals to us the realities of life. Light is beautiful. 1666. Isaac Newton took this piece of glass called a prism and he refracted light and he realized that light is made up of all these colors. Beautiful colors. Gorgeous colors. I have a stained glass piece at at my house that I did and it has prism glass all around the edge. I love to just sit and look at the light come in through that. You just move your head a little bit you see all these different colors and you move it here and it's and just refracting the beauty of that light. They tell us that as human beings we can see about a million different colors. But we can't see all of it. We can only see from about 400, 400 nanometers to 700 nanometers. 400 are the ultraviolet rays, and of course, if you want to remember what color you can see in the bottom of the spectrum, it's violet, ultraviolet. Infrared rays are at the top. Guess what color there you can see? Red. And we see everything in between. But they tell us there's probably 99 million colors we can't see. And so we have... The beauty of of light. And just think about, we're talking about the light of the sun now. We're talking about sunlight. What about this light of God that is even greater and beyond? Just think of the beauty and just think of all of the dimensions and facets of that light. So light and dark are totally opposite each other. That's the first thing that struck me. The second thing is this. We have all lived in darkness. We all come out of darkness. That's one of the teachings that that we read in the scripture. That we have all lived in darkness. Throughout the Old Testament, there's this promise that light is coming into the darkness. It is assumed that there is a darkness upon the earth that this light is coming into. It wasn't light coming into the light. It was light that was coming into the darkness. And so we see that without the light, when you take the light out, when you turn the light off, before the light comes, what is there? There is only darkness darkness <clears throat> there is no light without the light and so in, e- in Ephesians 2 as we as you read that I think it's one of probably one of the the best descriptions of what we all came out of as for you you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that's now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all <clears throat> We all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind. We were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind, but God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Even when we were dead, in other words, even when we were in the darkness, he he sent this light and made us alive with Christ by his grace. And so we see here this picture of the darkness that we all at one point in time, we found ourselves in. It's a very similar picture to Genesis, where God looks down and and sees the darkness. I I don't think we understand darkness. I think we tend to minimize darkness. I think if we could be propelled ahead into the new heaven and the new earth and, and Jesus on the throne and the kind of the way life is lived in the day on that new heaven and new earth, and then we come back to this earth, I think we'd understand what darkness really is. Because we haven't ever truly been in, that, in the presence of that light, because we now see dimly as through a glass, I don't think we understand. And so I think we minimize darkness. We say, well, you know, there's, there's some dark people out there, but there's a lot of good people too. There's a lot of people doing, doing good things. Well, the point here is this. That Jesus is the light. He, he's, the, he's the focal point of, of this universe. He's the focal point of God's plan. And if you move Jesus out of the picture, then you, you've moved the light out of the picture if you take the light out of the picture, you're walking in darkness. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how many good things you do. I don't, I don't care what your life looks like. It may look really bad, or a life may look really good. But if Jesus is not a part of that, if Jesus is not the, the one that, is, that I am submitted my life to, if I'm not following Jesus, if if that's not a part of my life, then I have missed the essence for why I was created and what God is doing in this world. And that is what God calls darkness. Darkness is one day having to live without the light. We have all lived in darkness. And here's the final point. The final thing that I see here, the, the whole... Everything that's leading up to it and the Christmas story is the fact that Jesus Christ is the light. Jesus Christ is the light. When the prophets talked about it, this is what they were talking about. This light that was coming into the darkness. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So just a few points under that. Number one, he is the light. He's not a light. He's not a light. He's the light. He is the light of the world. There's only one light of the world. And the scripture makes it clear that that's Jesus. Paul said it like this. There's no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. There's no other light but that of Jesus. It's not about about how much faith you have. It's about what you have your faith in. Do you have your faith in the light? Second thing is, everyone needs this light. Everyone needs this light. This is what we were... We we see here that, that this is a common thing throughout the Scripture... The Bible says that we are blind if we don't have this light. And so this is the light that everyone in the world needs. Thirdly, this is the light that we were made for. You were made with a spirit. God made I believe God made you the body. I think he made us with a soul. And I think he made us with a spirit. And that spirit is that part of us that was made to commune with God. It was that part of us that was made to just enjoy God and know God and appreciate God and praise God, and that's the part of us that's dead until we're born again by the spirit of God. when we ask God to come in and, and make us alive, that spirit becomes alive, and now we can now we see God now we we can experience that light, now we can communicate with God, and so we see that this light was. It was what we were made for as people. So to live in darkness is to live disconnected from God. You can have a lot of things going. People can have a lot of things that are working for them at the time in life. But if, if they're not in connection with God, then the Bible says that's, that's really darkness. No matter how bright it might look, that's darkness if you're not connected with God. Because one day, all those things that make your life so good right now are gone, and then what do you have? To not have the light is to be in darkness. Fourthly, this is the light by which we see what is real. This light answers the questions, who we are, why we're here, where we're going, how we need to get there all of the core issues of life are revealed through the person of Christ and the word of Christ to us. And then lastly, this is the light that will one day fill the earth. When Jesus Christ comes back, we'll say goodbye to the sun, we'll say goodbye to the moon, we'll say goodbye to the stars, Because they will just be diminished. You won't even be able to see them in the light of God's light, the essence of who He is as the light of the world. And so, just in terms of of application this morning, you know, I, I just want to admonish you seek the light. Seek the light. Walk in that light. Enjoy that light. Treasure that light. Love that light. This is the light of the world. Pursue it with all your being. It is the light, and the light is good. Don't dabble in darkness. We don't need to sit around in the shadows. Let's just let's just pursue this light. There is such great joy in pursuing this light of the world. You know, at the at the end of the uh, the show, on as I mentioned, <clears throat> with these guys out in Vancouver, they'd had three days of dark sky and pouring rain and they were holed up in this dark woods in their tents and finally the sun came out and it was interesting these guys are totally isolated from each other they don't know what's going on they all had the exact same response they got out of their tent and they walked down to the beach and they took off their shirts it's only like 40 degrees they took off their shirts and they put their arms up in the air and they just stood and they just said Oh, thank you, God, for the sun. And when I saw that, I thought, "That's going to be us, the people of God, one day when the Lord returns. And we see him in all his glory, and, and his light shines upon the earth, and whether you can raise your hands now or not, you will then. And you will lift your hands to heaven, and you will just say, God, thank you. Thank you for the light of the world. Father, I thank you for this season of the year, and I thank you for uh, just the wonder that light has come into the world. Father, we live in a dark world, and, and, and we don't even realize just how dark it is. You have so much more for us. Your world is not a world of disease and sickness and cancer and all, all the things that go on and, 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 and all of the struggles of this life. <clears throat> and Father, you've come here to walk as light with us through the darkness in this world, but one day the darkness will be gone and there will be only light. And so we rejoice in that hope and we look forward to that day. And Father, might we be faithful as we journey to that day. We just pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for coming. And uh, there is a vote on church budget and overseer this morning at the back table. So I